Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. We're going to look together over into the book of John. And we're, we're moving towards Easter now for Resurrection Sunday. We're preparing our hearts for these next couple weeks. And uh, we're going to look at some of, the, uh, some of those events that are leading up to Jesus' death and His resurrection. And this is one of the most profound and powerful times of the year, I believe, as we consider the final days of Jesus' earthly ministry on this earth. And this was such a significant time in the life of Jesus and His disciples as they were working with Him and serving with Him. And the Lord knew what was coming around the bend. Uh, Jesus knew. He had a good idea of what was going to happen. And it's here in the Gospel of John that, that we find the Apostle John taking a significant amount of time uh, writing and discussing what happened in the last days that were leading up to the time of Jesus' crucifixion. And so what we're concentrating on this morning has a lot to do with smell. And that's why the title of this message today is Do You Stink? We humans have five special senses that the Lord has designed us with, seeing and touching and hearing and tasting and our sense of smell. We have these and each one has of these senses have powerful influence on our daily lives. And smell is a big part for us. For those who have a good sense of smell, we tend to have a good sense of taste as well. And uh, if you're missing one of these God-given tools of the, the five senses, then you have to learn to compensate with some other with some of the other senses that you have. One evening I came home from the office and uh, to the house and I opened the door and it was a, such an inviting smell when I went inside the house. As I stepped into the door, I had discovered the smell of fresh baked cookies. And I mean, it smelled really good. And uh, it, was, it was intense, it was inviting, it was something that made me happy that I was home. Uh, my mouth immediately started to water as I had smelled those. You know how some smells will do that to you. And, and uh, so it was something I wanted to eat. And so as I made my way towards the kitchen, and uh, here I'm expecting uh, some good cookies in there. And, I, and I, I was excited to ask Jody and Rachel, I said, where the cookies were. And, and the first thing I usually have to ask, not only that, I have to ask, can I eat them because of my diet? And she's like, well, um, no, that's a candle. <laughs> I'm like, what? How can that be a candle? That smelled so good. And uh, so here I am, and I was disappointed to find out that that fragrance was not real cookies. And uh, so I didn't get to, to feed my stomach with the cookies. But as we read through John chapter 12 here, uh, it's here that we find a wonderful smell and a horrible stench. There are some areas that we can find this seam of smell here in John chapter 12, 1 to 11. And we're going to look at that this morning. If you'll turn with me, it should be on the screen for you. Uh, in verse 1 it says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived. 
whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Mar uh, Martha served while Lazarus was among those who reclined, those reclining at the table with him. And then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on the feet of on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the sound was filled, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief as a keeper of the money bag. He used to help himself what, to what was put in it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she would save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because uh, of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made, uh, made plans to kill Lazarus as well. But on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. So one of the things that we can notice right here off, of the, off the bat is that the, in the Gospels, there are some unique characteristics about each person that's mentioned. And we see Martha, she's always serving. She tends to serve from what we see in the Gospels. We see Mary. Mary's always listening at the feet of Jesus. She's always there like that. And uh, you have Judas, who is always with the money, and uh, then finally we have Lazarus who doesn't say a word. He's the normal man, right? Other than for us that are preachers, right? Yet everyone, everyone wants to see Lazarus. He was a living and a powerful example of Jesus' earthly ministry of his miracles and the power that he displayed. What was really great about him? Well... <laughs> Lazarus stunk. We know that. Uh, he smelled because he had been dead for four days, but he also smelled because of his story. It wasn't just the bad side of it. There was also the good smell of his story. And the smell of his story was that sweet fragrance of victory for the people of God. Lazarus was no longer in the grave. In fact, the, his resurrection was really a foreshadowing of what God the Father would do by raising Christ from the grave. But his cause, this caused some problems for the religious leaders of Jesus' day, and they didn't like that they had lost the attention of so many people with Jesus doing the miracle that he had finished. They didn't like it. The response of the crowds to Jesus brought crisis, really, to the enemies of Jesus. And so many people became followers of Christ that the priests were sure that Caiaphas, who was the high priest, that, that his uh, fears were real, that they, it was really going to cause a problem. And their determination to destroy Jesus was strengthened. And, and their wild madness of unbelief that they held, even in that they contemplated not only trying to cut Jesus down, but to cut down Lazarus, whom he had raised from the grave. 
Because that was an undeniable miracle. And they couldn't do anything about that. Lazarus may have stunk because he was in the grave for several days, yet it was temporary. But the uh, enemies of Jesus stunk because their attitude was terrible about Jesus. They felt like they were losing their political influence and in their religious as religious figures. And when a person's attitude stinks, they make some very poor decisions. The religious leaders could have chosen two different paths. They could have went down two different directions. And we know some went one direction and some went the other direction. They could have chosen the fragrant path of faith in the one who had given them could give them life. Or they could have chosen the stinky path with an attitude. A poor attitude is destructive. And it causes people to do things that they never would have intended to do in the beginning. But an attitude of faith will change. It will change how you view the world. It will change everything around you. This last week I had the opportunity to go to my 30 year uh, class reunion for high school. It's quite an interesting time. Uh, I had the opportunity to see folks, of course, that I hadn't seen in 30 years. Some of them I just had not seen since the day we left school. And I was amazed at, I was amazed at the doors that the Lord had opened for Jody and I as we went to that place and interacted with people. Uh, we had really, I had prayed for a week or so, maybe even more than that, as I knew it was going to happen. And that the Lord would just may open the right doors that I could be a witness of Christ. Maybe drop some nuggets here or there spiritually for those. Uh, because those guys knew me beforehand. And uh, some asked me questions. <laughs> and uh, what happened to you? Oh, well, anyhow, so. I tell you, uh, I was uh, in that night. Uh, one of my classmates shared his story with me. I actually had two different ones that really had been impacted in their lives. And this one a gentleman had served in special forces over the years. He had been uh, uh, counterintelligence, uh, and uh, he was on the battlefield of, of Afghanistan. I can't even name all the things how the Lord had connected us over the years. I didn't really know it, how close we were. Uh, but he was in Afghanistan in the battlefield. He was not a believer. He was really somewhat of a skeptic. He was a skeptical that God even existed. And he was a sergeant leading a few troops in a town, and they were ambushed by about 130 combatants that came in on them. And they're lighting up fire, and uh, here they are like sitting ducks in this place. And they lost three men, and uh, while they're there, uh, they were... Uh, and under fire, they had uh, one guy had been wounded. He was in the middle of the street. But they said, they leave him. We can't get him because the fire was so bad. And finally, there was a chaplain in the middle of them uh, that was traveling with them on this occasion. And the chaplain got up. And in the middle of the fire, he walked out like we would just normally walk. He walked out in the middle of the fire to go get that man and to pick him up and to carry him back. He walked to the man, he picked him up, and he carried him back. And he was unwounded. 
And when he got back to that place, of course, Aaron, the friend of mine that I went to school with, he is like yelling at him before he goes, stay here, don't go out there. And he, of course, I've said a few things and, and he's trying to get him to stay. Well, he, he makes it back. And the only wound that he had was not on him, but was the collar of his shirt that had a bullet hole right through it. But he made it back. And he said it was at that point that I realized God did exist. And it was from that point, he said, every time we went out on a mission, we took that chaplain with us. He said, if we, if we couldn't take him, if he was, uh, he was not able to come, he said, I would postpone the mission so that we could wait until that chaplain was available and he would come. But he put his faith in the Lord. It was at that point he saw he couldn't deny God's existence and it was there where he changed his worldview. He, couldn't, he, he could have taken either path, really. He could have taken either path even in the face of the miraculous, much like the religious people of the day for Jesus. What path have you taken up to this point? But then, what path will you take from now? And that's a question we all must ask ourselves. So we find here in verse 2 that Martha and Mary threw a dinner for, for Jesus. We know that Simon the leper was there at his place and from other passages. But some would say that it's possible this dinner was to show, for the, show their gratitude for raising Lazarus from the grave and you can imagine the gratitude that Mary and Martha felt after their brother had been raised to life after being dead for four days. They had to be overwhelmed and grateful for all that God had done for them. And it's in this context that we find Mary's act of devotion. There in verse 3 we see it. And this dinner marked a crisis of friendship with Jesus. Mary and Martha and Lazarus risked all they had to honor Jesus and to demonstrate their loyalty in the face of the approaching danger and death. And Jesus' comment on Mary's action may have implied that she recognized the approaching threat. She knew something was coming down the pike. One way or the other, her gift was an expression of the highest gratitude and devotion. See, Mary acted out in devotion to the Master. Her brother Lazarus was not the only person Jesus helped in her presence. We can tell that from the Gospels. We see that. If you remember, right before Jesus raised him in John chapter 11, verse 32, it says, When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. See, she felt that the Lord could have healed him and taken care of him at that point. She knew he was capable of that. But now with the miracle fresh in her mind, he's been risen at this point. She celebrates Jesus. And John says here in verse 3, these words, it says, Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And here we find Mary full of greatness, gratefulness, full of thankfulness to the Lord. 
Now Mary's anointing of Jesus was not hard to do in this setting the way uh, it was for them. People reclined at their tables uh, instead of eating at a table like we do today. It was, uh, it's a little different. And so guests usually recline with their heads uh, near the table and uh, uh, they leaned on cushions on one arm and usually ate with the other, other hand. That was normal for them to eat with the right hand. And, and uh, their feet would have uh, stuck out from the table and Mary could have easily moved from her place where she was at and walked around and reached out to pour the, this expensive oils on Jesus. And we find in Matthew chapter 26, verse 7 and Mark 14, 3, that it says she actually poured the oil on his head. So it's likely that it covered him down to his feet and then she wiped his feet with her, uh, wiped his feet with her hair. Bernard is an extract of an aromatic Nepalese plant, so it, it, comes, it comes from a, a place far away from there, and the spices and ointments that were used at that time were costly, and, and since many would be imported, they were often used as an investment for them because they could... <coughs> Sorry. So that they'd use it as an investment because uh, her, her offering was worth probably around 300 denarii, which is a year's wages for them, uh, average wages for them. And, and so th because that was so expensive, they, they may have used it for, uh, for some kind of like their retirement plan. And so for them, it was like when she was breaking that, that box and she was breaking uh, that uh, that perfume over Jesus. What she, it's like she was cashing out her 401k for him. But it's much more than that. She may have presented it as an offering of gratitude. It was prompted by Jesus, by Jesus' restoration of her brother. Could you imagine the gratefulness in her heart? She even wiped his feet with her hair. That was a gesture of utmost devotion. Unbelievable. The permeating fragrance, that fragrance would have went everywhere, would have filled the whole house. Everyone would have known that sacrificial gift that she gave to Jesus. Now Mary's sacrificial offering or giving of the nard ointment was truly heartfelt worship. It was from her heart. She was thankful and she was giving back. Even when we give our offerings to the Lord, it's heartfelt worship. It's from gratefulness that we reach out to the Lord with thanks. And this woman just didn't give a token of her thanks. She didn't give just a little token of her thanks, but she gave a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Now, it wouldn't have been wrong for her to give just a token, just something small. Maybe just a month's wages. Maybe just, maybe just uh, something really small in comparison. But for Mary, that wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for her just to give something small. It wasn't enough for the Son of God to simply receive just a token when He said words like this. When, whoever wants to be My disciple must deny themselves take up their cross daily and follow me. Mary had two paths she could have went down. She could have simply acknowledged Jesus with a token offering or truly gave of a sacrifice. And what she decided to do is to truly give a sacrifice to the Lord. She gave everything that she had. 
Sacrifice is more than just simple acknowledgement. It's more than that. It's been said that Cyrus, who is the founder of the Persian Empire, once had captured a, a prince and his family. And when they came before him, Cyrus asked the prisoner, he says, what will you give me if I release you? What are you going to give me? And the guy responded, the half of my wealth. And if I release your children, what are you going to give me? He said, everything I possess. And then he asked him this, what if I release your wife? Your majesty, I will give myself to you. So Cyrus was so moved by this man's devotion that he freed them all. And they, as they returned home, the prince said to his wife, wasn't Cyrus a handsome man? With a look of deep love for her husband, she said, I didn't notice. I could only keep my eyes on you, the one who is willing to give himself for me. Are we willing to give everything? Is our devotion towards the Lord like this man and his family? Is our devotion towards the Lord like Mary? How did others view Mary? Well, let's look at what we see from Judas. We see Judas makes a judgment in the situation. And we, we find in verse 5, he sa it says this, Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? Why didn't we give it to this needy cause? Why didn't we take care of business in this way? And we, we find this, it really should not be uh, surprising to us that not everybody was impressed with Mary's gesture of devotion. And we could go on and talk about some other things there as well, but if you take it at face value and adopting a practical approach, something like Judas, really his objection wasn't all that unreasonable. The perfume was expensive, it was worth a year's wages, and great good could have been done by for the poor with such a large sum of money, but... John is really quick to explain here in this situation. Judas did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. We know that. He used to help himself to what was put in the till. We see that. But Judas' frustration with Mary related not to a loss of opportunity to do more for those who were poor in the community, but for his own loss of opportunity to take out of the till. And look at what the Lord said in verse 8 to Judas. I like what he said. And he makes it, he gives him a correction. He says, you will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. The Messiah is going to be here for a time. He's giving his life. He won't be here all the time. But the poor you'll have always. What she did was the better deal. Look at what the Lord said there. Here you have to look at the attitude of Judas and you have to also look at the attitude of Mary. The contrast of their attitudes really is unmistakable between the two of them. And Mary offered her best to Jesus in sacrificial love and Judas was coldly practical. You know, sometimes it's easy just to be practical. We can be practical people. We have to tend to certain things in a certain way. We understand that. But sometimes there's times to go outside of the box, and that's what Mary was doing. She was stepping outside of that, and Jesus interested uh, this guy, uh, Judas, only as a ladder for his ambition. 
If you only go to church and accept the Lord because it will help your career or so that you can get ahead socially, then you're totally missing the point. It's then that your judgment lines up with Judas. And that smells bad. But if you connect to the Lord and His church out of a grateful heart, accepting His grace, then you emit fragrance of grace. We all can admit that fragrance of grace. And when then we see something else that takes place here. We find the approval of Jesus. Look at what Jesus says back in verse 7 now. He says, leave her alone. Jesus replied, it was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. It was supposed to be saved for this time. It's like Jesus was saying, get off her back, Judas. Leave her alone. And you don't, you don't even get it anyhow. It doesn't matter here. And so Mary seems to be the only one who is sensitive to the impending death of Christ and who is willing to give of her material expression to, for, to esteem Him and to lift Him up. And if she, if she fully knew He was going to die or not, we really don't know. But one way or the other, this special perfume that she provided for Jesus has been set aside by God's plan. Jesus, in just a few days, was going to give His life before the crucifixion. As strong as this pure nard was, it, it was a very, special, a very special perfume. It's likely that Jesus would have smelled that fragrance now think about this with me. It's likely that he would have smelled that fragrance all the way to the crucifixion. All the way to the cross. Because these are some very powerful powerful oils. There's some very powerful scents. And it's likely he took that smell with him to the cross. Something to consider. It's significant significance of this anointing was very real. It wasn't simply a kind gesture. It was more than that. He received the burial anointing from Mary. Mary provided for Jesus this anointing in advance and what she did was prophetic. It wasn't just practical. In fact, what she did was impractical. It wasn't so that she could get ahead. It wasn't for that. It wasn't out of a godly, it was out of a godly love and a devotion. She wanted to celebrate him now because, as he said, you will not always have me. We looked at a little bit at Mary's life this morning by peeking in this dining room of Simon the leper, as we look in there and we see what these people are doing for Jesus. I have to ask this last question as we wrap up. Do you stink? Do you smell? Do you, you emit a fragrance that pleases God? Or does your attitude stink? We can really wrap this up this morning as we look into... Uh, the Apostle Paul's uh, words over in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 to 16 that tells us this. But thank God, He has made us captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. 
Now He uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. Are you a person who's willing to spread the knowledge of Jesus Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume? Does that fragrance go with you no matter where you go? Is that fragrance a grace in your life like it was when Jesus was anointed with that, uh, that pure nard? Do you take that message with you wherever you go? Each of us have two paths set before us today. You can be like the treasurer stuck on the practical generosity who was really a thief, or you can be like Mary who had such a powerful devotion that she sacrificed to her Lord. And like this woman, like Matthew who had been a shifty tax collector and turned from his old stinky actions, we all have that ability to be able to turn towards Him and allow Him to work in our lives. May your life be a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God in the community that you live in. If your life smells today, if it smells bad, today's the day to turn around and look to the Lord and allow the Lord to bring transformation in your life. And only then will your life produce that very special fragrance that only the Lord can bring to us. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we ask You that You would help us today. Help us to be able to focus on You and being a fragrance to our community so that we don't just live out our life any old way we want to, but that we recognize that You have something to provide through us, Father, which is the grace that You've given to us. Father God, may our lives bring You glory. May our lives be a fragrance of peace and grace and life to others around us. Because You've offered to us something wonderful. That grace is powerful. And may we offer our sacrifice to You that we may be a pleasing offering unto you. In Jesus' name, amen.